0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bigly Blast. There are two myths currently perpetuated by the national media. Number one, many seem to think the Robert Sarver investigation has cast a pall of shock over the organization. That is laughable. The basketball team knows Sarver's personality very well, and nobody is shocked by any of this. Appalled? Yes. Shocked? No. And these players surely will be relieved to be spared of all those awkward interactions. Number two, there is a Belief that all this drama from Jay Crowder to DeAndre Ayton will somehow sabotage the upcoming season. I don't think that's true either. I mean, the leaders of this team are Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and both of them have seen far worse in their careers. In fact, Ayton and Monty Williams have been in the gym together for weeks, and the cold shoulder is nothing new to Ayton. And maybe his comments the last couple of days are nothing more than a reminder. To other general managers in the NBA, that, hey, I'm still in Phoenix. If you want to come rescue me in January, I also think people who are ripping Monty Williams for not extending an olive branch to Ayton are kind of missing the point. It's not about what Williams hasn't done, it's about what he is doing. And he is either telling Ayton very forcefully to grow up already, or he's done wasting his time and his energy on a player who will not change or a player who will not be here much longer it's a dramatic stance from Williams and it's not an oversight folks it is a strategy bottom line if the Suns fail this season it will not be a dysfunction problem it will be a talent problem shut up Jared because at the moment I fear the Suns do not have enough talent to survive a playoff series even though we know they're really good at winning regular season basketball games all right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable with two great locations, one great experience. Shop online at chapmanbmw.com. And put you know what's down funny? the so hand fruit, of- Jared! Put down the hand fruit! He, sorry, put it, he put it down, all right. I'm sorry, Vinny.
1: <laughs> he put it right down his throat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Threw it down. You know what's funny? So much of media day is theater, right? When yeah. we go there, everybody's got to put on a happy face and they got to they got to say what they're supposed to say. And then there are people who just don't do it. It's <laughs> like other, You know, like the other like, he's not going to act for you. He's not going to pretend everything's okay if it's not okay. Um, I will say this, though. Um, I think people are reading a lot into his words and, you know, you know, he obviously was upset by how it played out over the summer. You can debate how the Sun handled that and whether it was worth the sort of deterioration in the relationship it causes or it caused. Um, but the guy got in the gym. He was working all summer. I mean, he wasn't, like, pouting and he's in great shape. That's Ramona
1: Shelburne from ESPN on with Burns and Gambo yesterday on uh, DA's Media Day, which started this whole thing. The Media Day mood started the whole thing on oh, yeah. Tuesday after practice, you know, the revelation that he hadn't talked to the head coach, uh, that's given this thing different life. And look, there's, there's just like every subject that comes up on the Phoenix Suns or anything else we talk about, people have different thoughts. There's a lot of people think that this, this is much ado about nothing, that this is a media creation making it into a soap opera type thing. I'm not there. Uh, am I without concern about the Phoenix Suns and the f- the seemingly fragile
0: nature of this team going into the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm concerned right All now. I'm concerned too. Yeah. I'm uh, concerned too, but I, to me it's not this is not going to be something that I I think holds them back unless of course it leads to dramatic action. I mean, I I don't think Deandre Ayton is suddenly going to go out there and tank or not play hard. No. Uh, so I listen so it's just it's a shocking departure from the Monty Williams we have sort of put on a pedestal and that has always been the outreach guy the family guy the relationships come first guy the I am I am your humble servant Mm -hmm. that's what it is Mm -hmm. I am your humble servant as coach of this basketball team and this is a dramatic departure from that and and so I again I'll say it a hundred times more It, it there's a reason for it it's either short term or it's long term it's Either we're done doing it that way, and now we are going to expect you to play like the play like the basketball player your contract says you are. Yes, but again,
1: since you know we're considering all possibilities here, um, and one of those possibilities is it's still out there. January fifteenth, DeAndre Ayton is eligible to be traded after signing this new deal with the Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns. Maybe there's this. I'm just saying maybe again. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting this is news or fact. Possibilities. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's an agreement between both sides. Look, DA, we didn't give you the extension the summer before. We kind of put ourselves in this situation. We know you're unhappy. Quite frankly, we're not thrilled with you either. But we could not let you walk for nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's just play ball together until January 15th, and we'll take care of your
0: your, who would, your request. Who but, would have had that conversation? I, James I, Jones? Because it wouldn't have been Monty Williams. No. Monty Williams hasn't spoken to no, him.
1: No, absolutely. And, and, yeah, Monty Williams is not you know, in the position to even have that conversation right. by granting a wish at the, Except, end, at the end of a duration of time. And but what that opens the door to, Bick, DeAndre Aiden has been motivated. Everybody's talking about what he did this summer. How hard he's been working his is his shift in attitude this is a business for me now yeah you're opening yourself up if if that's the case again big f's let's say he averages 24 and 12 before January 15th mm-hmm. Is that
0: the time you patch things up with DeAndre? Maybe. I, I, and again, so if this is and, uh, this whole stuff about him being in great shape, I, I listen. I'm, I'm tired of it. I, I want to see it. it. It's it's all. I've heard a lot of things come out of DeAndre Ayton's mouth about how he's going to do this, how he's going to do that. It, 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 to me, it's all noise now. Yeah. So the idea that he's in great shape, it, okay, uh, w- let, we'll see when these games begin. That's true. And, and we'll see what we'll see what kind of performances he throws down uh, on a game by game basis. Uh, I. I think that I, I, I'm more worried about the talent level on this basketball team because they they have lost JaVale McGee, who was a key component to this basketball team. They have not upgraded the backup point guard. They do not have the off-the-ball score that they, they're they going to need in the postseason. They're about to lose Jay Crowder, who, whether you, you like him or don't like him, he was a starter on the basketball team. Mm-hmm. And who have you added? You've added a bunch of bit pieces. And yeah, Damian Lee comes with with Wave reviews from Steph Curry. He's an end of the bench player. So it's so to me. It's with, with with the competition ramping up around them in the West. What what are we gonna? Where's this team going competitively? Well, That's what worries me. I'm
1: also worried about you know specifically rebounding. Mm-hmm. Uh, go back to that Pelican series. That was a frustrating experiment. They got hammered on the boards, and yeah. yeah New Orleans has more length with Brandon Ingram. They got bulk with, with Valanchunas. They had, you know, Jackson Hayes rebounding in that, and that really got exploited without a major change to this roster to yeah. add those elements, to add that length of that rebounding ability. I mean, what happens in the regular season? Does it get exploited as much? No, I think everything gets more exploited.
0: In, in in a playoff series because you're seeing these teams over and over the, again. But yeah. I, that's a concern I have. I, I, so there was a time when I shifted back and I said, let's run it back with a, with a, with a good vibe and let's forget about this Kevin Durant thing. After hearing Jay Crowder... And seeing Jay Crowder and what that's doing, and after we're listening to DeAndre Ayton, you kind of hope that the Kevin Durant thing is still alive. And we're going to find out find out if it is, because there are people going, well, that's not going to happen, because the Nets, they've made up to him. No. What has happened in Brooklyn is that Steve Nash and their GM have completely capitulated to Kevin Durant. That's what's happened. But you know why they did that? Because they can win a championship. <laughs> They I mean, might have it, the best by January 15th they, they might have the best record in they the might, NBA. They might but but again that 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 didn't seem to preclude Kevin Durant from wanting to get out of town a month two months ago. Yeah. I mean they had a great roster then too. So so to me I am not sure anything is really resolved there. We're going to see. It James Jones is acting like there there's a long play here. Mhm. Which he does quite a bit. I, right? By the way,
1: did you see Steve Nash's other comments coming out of Brooklyn? I did. I don't care if Ben Simmons never ever shoots.
0: Yeah, I would love to see a guy go a whole season without shooting.
2: <laughs> if anyone's going to try,
1: it's him.
0: The last, the last person who who used to be like that, Dennis Rodman, was very much like that. Didn't care if he shot the basketball, and it became a thing. It became a thing where he didn't want to because it was, it made him different. Yeah, built different. <laughs> Right. Yeah, right. That's a a, You can hear more about Dennis Robbins' shooting
1: habits in a local diner near you, where Dan will be conducting interviews and telling stories.
0: That diner has to be empty, though. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Have you subscribed? How creepy was that, right? <laughs> Bickley, what are you doing in an empty diner? Did you break in there? Yeah. The lighting is really kind of weird. <laughs> Free bacon, though. Free bacon. <laughs> All you can eat. Have
1: you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata Show podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next, when the Arizona Cardinals play the Carolina Panthers, two things usually happen. A, the Panthers usually win. And B, we talked to Darren Gant on this show from panthers.com. We'll do it next. Love that guy. Bickley and Murata mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station
0: and Dan and and Murata. morning it's 98 7 FM, Arizona's sports station
1: week four takes the Arizona Cardinals to Charlotte Carolina Panthers hosting them on uh Sunday and uh here to talk about the uh, Panthers with us this week's opponent from panthers.com the one and only Darren Gant joins us here on the Arizona sports line Darren uh, good morning to you sir how are you
3: I'm doing well. How are my friends in Arizona this
0: morning? Hello, Darren. How are you doing, my man?
3: Ah, I'm doing great. Every, everything's great here. We're just waiting to see what happens with the hurricane. Hope everybody in Florida is holding up. Yeah. You know, obviously, everybody's thoughts are down there, but it could get a little messy here this weekend. Sounds like the forecast might be doing us a little favor in terms of our temporal needs as it pertains to this football game, but <laughs> uh, obviously, bigger concerns.
1: Um, One of the concerns here in Arizona has been the Carolina Panthers ownership of the Arizona Cardinals in this rivalry and specifically with the two current coaches. I mean, Matt Rule hasn't beat many guys, but he beats Cliff Kingsbury with a regular basis. How much has that been talked about in, in, in Carolina this week, Darren?
3: Oh, not a lot. I I told Darren Urban the other day, uh, my compatriot at azcardinals.com, I said, I think it's just karma for you guys breaking Jake DeLome. um, (laughs) Yeah, we did. Yeah, a little bit of payback there. But, no, I mean, it it has been. I I think they have been very careful not to let anybody in this building think that they've got somebody's number. I mean, the Carolina Panthers aren't a spot where they can take anything for granted against anybody right now. Not when, you know, they've played the way they have over the last – two plus years so it is an interesting matchup because I think in general when you look at what they've tried to put together on defense they build a defense based on speed rather than power Mm -hmm. and guys who can get to the edge guys who can make plays out in space and you know with what the Cardinals try to do offensively it's it's kind of a good match. And so I think a lot of it has kind of been built on that stylistically. It's probably a good match for him. But at the same time, this defense is not the same as it's been the last couple of years. They deliberately tried to get a little bigger this off season by going with a bigger defensive end instead of a 240 pound Hassan Reddick on the edge Tried to get a little bigger at linebacker and they, and they played a more aggressive style last week than we'd seen from the first two weeks. So, you know, I mean, you hear coaches say it all the time and we always roll their eyes when they say every season's different, but this season is different. So I don't know that anybody can necessarily expect the same old, same old from these Carolina Panthers. All
0: right. How's the Baker Mayfield experience played in Charlotte and, and what is the state of this offense coming into Sunday's game?
3: I think in terms of Baker himself, the city of Charlotte was prepared to embrace anything. I mean, they're looking for quarterback answers around here and have been for about five years. So I I think everybody was prepared to think, oh, okay, this is going to work great. It hasn't worked great so far. Baker hasn't been particularly good. Uh, to use the technical football phrase, um, you know he's down the bottom of the league in the thirty thirty one range in completion percentage, passer rating, third down percentage. This year's been the biggest problem, and you know for a guy who walked in, didn't have OTAs, came in late right before the start of training camp. What he needs is reps in the offense, and they're so bad on third down right now that they're only averaging about fifty five plays a game, and that's not enough plays a game. So it's still very much a work in progress. There are moments where you see some of that old Baker, and I guess by old Baker, even though he's not old, we mean 2020 Baker, not the 21 version we saw in Cleveland. But there are moments, and particularly when he airs it out, throws a deep ball. I mean, he hit Robbie Anderson for a 75-yard touchdown the other week. He's shown signs of big playability. It had not been very consistent. Mm -hmm. And so I think until he really gets his feet underneath him, I've always – You know, kind of believe you want to give it five or six weeks at least in a season. I hate people who look at three weeks worth of evidence and say this is the way it's always going to be because how often do we get to January and say, oh, yeah, those first three weeks of the season, that's exactly how this turned out.
1: Darren Gant from Panthers.com our guest here on Bickley and Murata mornings yeah you, you, you kind of hit on it the offense has been challenged so far they've yet to have 300 yards of total that's, offense that's in,
3: a nice in, way to say
1: it. in a game yeah. <laughs> uh, but another challenge that could arise or maybe arising as we speak is the condition of of Christian McCaffrey with the quad I mean what, what's the prognosis for him uh, because I imagine those challenges offensively get a lot uh, deeper Darren if he can't go on Sunday
3: yeah I mean and we don't know is the only honest answer right now they haven't gone out to the practice field yet long until later this afternoon uh, what we know is that Christian has normally been given Wednesdays off for rest yesterday he was on the report with a thigh you know Matt Rule referred to it as quad something uh, that he was getting looked at trying to get himself right until we get out there on a the field day we don't know I mean obviously it's a huge deal because running the ball is the one thing that's going well for the Panthers now I will say if they get in a situation where Christian's not available. They've got a better grade of backup this year in Deontay Foreman. I mean, we saw what he did in Tennessee last year when Derrick Henry got hurt. He is a guy who can be a lead back uh, at least for a short amount of time. There's recent evidence that he can do that, and I think, you know, at this point, without knowing what Christian's availability is going to be today tomorrow, I think if you go into a game you still feel like you can run it with Deontay and Chuba Hubbard as a change of pace guy. Um, um, and we'll see how that works. Obviously, neither one of those guys is Christian McCaffrey. Very few people in the league are. Uh, but Christian is a guy, when he's out there, he can change things. And, you know, the fact that they've been able to move the ball at all the last two weeks is uh, or three weeks is almost exclusively on Christian because uh, he's been the one thing that's worked hmm. so far.
0: Right. I'll, okay, let's um, – I, I want to talk about Matt Rule because there was a time when he came out of college he was considered to be, okay, this guy is – the. The hot new thing in the NFL, obviously, Um, a a lot of great coaching prospects um, are are sunk with their talent level. What is just the vibe of this football team at this stage of his tenure going into this game? (sighs)
3: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird. And, and you know how coaches are big. Nobody ever wants to go year to year on comparisons and things like that. So, I mean, they talk about two-game losing streaks, not nine-game losing streaks, Uh to make it sound a little less precarious maybe uh-huh. than it was. But, um, you know, Matt – The 2022 experience is so different from 20 and 21. I mean, they have not found stability at quarterback. They have not uh, put things together. I mean, for a college coach to come into the NFL, that's an incredible transition to make anyway to do it. Oh, we uh, haven't
0: noticed in Arizona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ah,
3: sorry. To, to do it in the middle of COVID and on the heels of the Cam Newton era makes it that much more difficult. So, I mean, he hasn't he hasn't found the stable footing I think they were looking for, but it was interesting to me that after last week's game, when they finally get a win and nobody likes it when I say finally around this building, because again, they keep calling it a two-gamer, not a nine-gamer. Uh, it's been a long time since Panthers won a, a game, and the players responded by giving Matt a game ball after it. So, it's not a lost the locker room situation. It's not a everybody hates him situation. I mean, the stuff they're working on uh, still makes sense. The things he's trying to get them to do are valid and cogent football things to do, but until they get some stuff settled, until they get some stability at quarterback, I don't know how much any of it's going to matter. Mm. So, uh, we'll see. Still a work in progress, but everything the owner has suggested throughout uh, this offseason is he knew this was going to be a long process. Uh, it has been. Uh, they're still working toward where they want to be and, and we'll see over the rest of the season what that looks like. I mean I don't you know you don't go 11 and 25 in two plus seasons in the NFL and have what anybody would consider security. but I, I think at the moment they're still waiting to see what this thing looks like in another month, two months.
1: You know, his name has shown up on the candidate list for Arizona State there. And he's rebuilt (laughs) two programs Uh, in his college past. I'm just saying.
3: I just appreciate that you guys said Arizona State to differentiate it from ASU, which, as we all know, all of us, football cognizant, all of us know that ASU means Appalachian State University. That's right. That's the true football school. That's where, uh, you know, we go win big games and get on TV and make people happy, unlike the other. One out there in the desert. I saw that team made to, me laugh
0: out loud. Twenty-eight Darren. to three, Darren. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> We're not talking about James Madison. We're talking about forty right. points in the fourth quarter against UNC. We're talking right. about Hail Mary to win a game right. against Troy State. We're talking about Texas A&M. I don't. I was out. I was watching Farm Aid last weekend, so I didn't see the James Madison game. It does not exist.
1: I don't think anybody has played more exciting games than, than Appalachian State this year. That's that's certainly the case. Every week it's something with I would with them.
3: prefer a couple boring ones, especially if we were winning.
1: <laughs> Darren, always good to have you on the show. Thanks so much Be for well, your time brother. today. See y'all. Take care. Darren Gant, Panthers.com. He joined us on the <laughs> Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next... A recipe for success for the Arizona Cardinals could boil down to three words. Run, Kyler! Run! run. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Nah, it's more so, you
3: know, if if, if I'm asked to do it, you know, then, then, then I do it. You know, there's certain situations as of, you know, late where, um it's got to come off scrambles and stuff like that whereas teams may not you know allow me to scramble as much as you know um people asking why i'm not running and stuff like that like it's not it's not it's not by you know want to or anything like that i think just design right now is uh we we probably you know i've said i would you know i would i would love to implement that more but
1: um i just ask you know i do what i'm asked to Kyler Murray yesterday talking to the media on uh, his lack of production in the run game. That was a pretty good
0: scramble he did there, I think. That was it a is. pretty good scramble. He was running around the pocket for 20 seconds on that re- but response. The more I think
1: about mm-hmm. this subject and the more I listen, like, it, you know, it's the second or third time I've listened to that soundbite in particular. Okay. I get more confused. Phrases like, allow me to scramble. Right.
0: No, Stop he, that's being so damn polite. Listen, this is well. This is why he's tap dancing around the subject because just the other day he said, "I've got ultimate control. I can change and I can do anything mm-hmm. I want." So if you're playing football with me, you better not sleep on me. We yeah. have that right here.
3: I tell guys all the time. Always be like, never. You know, never. You got to be awake playing with me. Like I, I mean, it's um, no matter what the play is. Uh, you know, I, I got free reign to do whatever, get into whatever. Um, so it, it, when you sleep. And um, you don't think you're getting the ball? It's you know, it's we can't play like that. We, we everybody.
1: Yeah, Cliff yeah. was right. asked about those comments too from Kyler. That was after the game on Sunday, and that was one of the the, the money. Uh, sound bites that came out of that game, but here was Kingsbury asked about those comments in particular. No, I, I don't think so. I think, I mean, one, last week
0: just was one of those games that it just kind of snowballed on us, and, and uh, we, we didn't execute, didn't coach, didn't do anything as well as we think we can, and, and I, I don't think that's been uh, um, a pattern here from what, what I've seen.
1: Now, let's go back to the running uh, aspect mm-hmm. of, of Kyler yeah. Murray's game, and, and we talked about it earlier this week that you know when he's more involved in the running, whether it's scrambles or, and, and I didn't. Have have the breakdown of how many scrambles, for how many yards, or how many design runs there were. I think most of it's got to come from scrambling. So when you hear Kyler Murray say, "Well, they allow me to scramble," that's the definition of a scramble. You have, you know, and it's been this way his entire career. He's one of the best, if not the best, athlete on the field. Mm-hmm. He's a hard guy to catch. And, and near even, impossible, near impossible, and, and uh, you know, even in situations where you know he's been. Rushed early in games, especially the Mm -hmm. the outlier in all of this was the second half against the Raiders, really the fourth quarter in overtime against the Raiders, where he just made his mind up. Nobody's going to touch me. Uh, And the Raiders kind of played into that defensively as well. But, you know, early in ball games, those opportunities to scramble are usually just like aborted plays. He'll throw the ball away, he'll run yeah. out of bounds, he'll slide
0: down you know behind the line of scrimmage, something uh, like I, that. I to me I think the bigger issue is this. The bigger issue becomes if there is really truly a direct correlation between him running and the team winning, then isn't this a serious matter? hmm Okay. So so I think that you you have to under you have to ask yourself, what are we doing here? Are we are we leaving behind the clearest path to victory and are we losing sight of the, the forest for the trees here? Yeah. Is what, I, what I'm wondering, because if the, if this really is uh, cause and effect, then then I would think as an offense and as offense designer and as the player himself, then you would realize, OK, we need to blend this into what we're doing. And, and I get his reticence to run the kind of stuff Cliff Kingsbury's asked him to run. I don't think him taking a snap under center or even in the shotgun and then sprinting out to the right and trying to get to the edge. I don't think that's it. I don't think that's what I'm talking about here because I think that's when you're asking your quarterback to get hurt and you're asking him to do something thats that you're not winning the risk-reward yes. uh, equation in that position. But there are ways to do it. There are ways to drop back to pass, let the defense filter out, let the back end of the defense retreat and then pounce yes. and then get out of bounds. Well, that's the thing, and I think people might,
1: might confuse these two points. We're saying Kyler Murray needs to run more, but we're not saying he needs to subject himself to more physical no. contact. No, we, that is there's, not what we're there's saying. There's two things on this front that Kyler Murray is elite at. He's got elite quarterback speed. He's one of the fastest quarterbacks the most elusive quarterbacks ever to play the game. Mm-hmm. The other thing that he has... At an elite level, is the ability to protect himself. So it's not about maximizing, making a ten-yard run into a fifteen-yard run by no, lowering his shoulder. We don't need that. It's about stretching out the defense. Exactly. And, and the way this is affecting the pass game as well. And yes, game flow has a lot to do with it. But I'm looking at numbers, and we've talked about you know the dink and dunk nature of the Cardinals' offense. Now, for several years, pretty much since the Kingsbury Murray era started, it's at an all-time low right now. Uh, Looking at his numbers through three games, Kyler Murray's completed air yards per completion, 3.8. His average completion travels 3.8 yards in the air. That's down from six last year. That's less than the distance between me and you guys right now. Yes. Yards per completion, Mm -hmm. 8.7. His counterpart this week, Baker Mayfield... And that's not a potent offense? Baker Mayfield is averaging 13.1 yards per completion. Yeah.
0: And, and see, I, I, I don't think that's necessarily on Kyler Murray. There's a lot of quarterbacks who, who look to check down to get out of a play as soon as possible to give the appearance that they're doing their job while while keeping themselves safe if you will I, I don't think that's what kyler murray's doing i do think though that that there there needs to be plays called that are that are built on gashing teams in the middle of the field now there might be a hidden secret here the the hidden thing that we've talked about for 2 years is maybe he doesn't see the middle of the field that well so maybe maybe that that the, that that realm of that subset of plays is... Is not something that that they dabbled into because of that. I, I hope that's not the case. That would that would be a bad deal. In fact, if that were the case, I would have been very reticent to give this kid the contract if he because he if he if he doesn't see the field now, he's never going to see it. Yeah,
1: and then look at you know the spray chart again for Hollywood Brown last week. He had 14 catches, 13 of them were were to the left side, mm-hmm. which you know had been an issue with DeAndre Hopkins yep. in the past. Cliff Kingsbury was asked about that. Hollywood being on the left side. Uh, almost exclusively.
0: Yeah, we're going to move him around. It's, it's just a comfort level right now. You know, trying to learn all four spots. I don't want to overwhelm him, so we're trying to maximize um, what he can do right now. But, yeah, as this goes on, I expect to be able to move around and, and use him in different different
1: uh, ways. The point being, there's a lot of stuff that's holding this offense back right now. <laughs> I mean, you could have practiced how many more years? and or played yeah. preseason games to get him used right. to Right,
0: and how many years has he been in the league? And he could have practiced. Listen, that, that's the year. kind of stuff that just, yeah, I mean, that's 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 crazy fuel for this fan base. It's the stuff they hear that makes him nuts.
1: Well, we'll be able to use him at the best of his ability as the season goes right. on. He'll be a lot
0: better. About halfway through seven. the year? About, about like, week 17, we'll, we'll, we'll move him to the right side. Yeah, that, it, that's nonsensical. And, well, he'll probably move him week seven because uh, DeAndre Hopkins will right, have the left side. Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. Never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Coming up next. D-backs coming down the stretch. Final week of the season is here. We'll talk to the president and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Derek Hall, next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The president. He's the president and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. a 2 the chief, Derek Hall. The president.
3: Now swing. Ground ball is short. This should end it. Perdomo's got it, and his throw to first in time, and the ball game is over. Diamondbacks win it by a final score of 5-2. to It took them 10 innings to get there,
1: and for Mark Melanson, he secures his 18th save of the season. Chris Garziola on the uh, final call last night. D-backs had a nice 10-inning win over the Houston Astros. They split in Houston, move on to San Francisco as the uh, final week of the season is upon Ooh. us and here uh, visiting us for Uh, It's Thursday chat. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, joins us here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Good morning, Derek good morning guys yeah it's a good morning indeed I mean uh, enjoyed the game and we're I'm
2: watching our building recover right now from a bad bunny concert it, last night it was with the, over 50,000 people here
0: It was the first question I was going to ask you D because there were lines that I've never seen before the day earlier for people shopping for merch and and I heard from my daughter last night that the scene was crazy down there
2: it was it was insane um yeah and it, and it did start a day before and these I gotta tell you these concert goers, they were so well behaved first and foremost and, and we were ready and our group did a, did a really nice job and all of our staff really, you know, they volunteered, they helped out. I did what most leaders would do. I said, good luck to everybody. And I went home. Um,
3: but, <laughs> but they, did a, they,
2: they did a great job by all accounts and by all reports. Uh, but, but it was, it was awesome. And, and this is such a good place for, you know, for a show. And we're, we're of course booking more and more non baseball events here. And, and so it's nice to pull them off.
1: All right, yeah. I was going to ask you how the show was, but you answered that question, Derek.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I hear it was great, Ben. <laughs> I love that. Uh,
1: last night's win—it was a good win, and and it was anticipated too. And you got two of the best pitchers, you know, in the game going at each other, wow. and Zach Gallen and Justin Verlander and for you know for the D-backs to win a game that Verlander starts that is no small feat with the way he's pitched i mean what does that mean to this team if you can bottle it and move move forward on something like that
2: yeah i think it's another positive step forward uh, you're looking at five, probably the cy young award winner um for the al and having a sub two ERA and then quickly putting two runs up and, and gallon just, you know, <laughs> battling him. And it was such a good pitchers duel, which I, I prefer uh, it, it went a lot later than we had hoped, but you know, the the outcome was a good one, but I do think it, it does provide uh, a lot of uh, confidence for these guys. And again, you look at the, the players that, that were so impactful last night and, from a defensive standpoint, McCarthy and Bar show and offensively, McCarthy does it again, you know, and, and Walker continues to produce, but I, I was very pleased, and I think our guys showed that they were ready for him.
0: I know you guys are extremely proud of the youth movement. It's something that I think a lot of people are are sort of clinging to for the future, and with that in mind, I think optioning Alec Thomas back to Reno must not have been an easy thing for you guys. Uh, how did you get to that decision?
2: Really tough one, but we just felt for for him to make the adjustments and, and it continue developing, it was the right move. Um, you know, there were a couple of uh, players that were in the decision, and I, I give them credit. The easiest thing would have been just to keep him here and keep putting him out there. And he had the perfect attitude of, you know, basically, I wasn't expecting this, but I understand it, and I'm going to go bust my tail. And he did. You know, he went he went down and played right away uh, and had multi-hit games in his first two. So, I mean, he's he knows that that he's going to have a long career here. He also knew he had to work on some things to get back to what he looked like when he first came up. And uh, it's all part of the maturation, all part of the process. And when you have three other guys that are playing or could play every day out there at any of those positions, you do have the luxury of, of optioning a guy like that down just for his own development.
1: Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, our guest here every Thursday on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Uh, we've talked so much in our conversations with you and, and, and Bick, even asking about the youth movement right there. Uh, it's also a pleasant surprise when you can get a guy who's labored in the minor leagues for so long to come up and make a contribution, but that's Stone Garrett's story. Uh, he's been good for you guys. I mean, how much thought and and talk has there been uh, put into what, what Stone Garrett's future is? with this team
2: yeah you're right and Vince we had to see what what he was all about and I'm glad he's had his opportunity you know hitting over 300 all season up at this level and anytime we're facing a lefty he's in there and he's also shown that that he can play pretty good outfield too but um, he's done a great job and and he certainly has a ton of confidence when he steps into the batter's box I think from a, a right-handed standpoint it was obviously a we 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 lacked uh i i think any sort of threatening presence there for so long and then the acquisition of Rivera and then the uh bringing up of of garrett stone or stone garrett it's uh those guys have proven that we now have some right handed options especially off the bat but I think you're right garrett's been uh he's been good he's he is um he's proven us that he can fill a roster spot up here and again we had to see if if he could and he's proven that he belongs here and i've I'm very happy for him. He's such a great story, as we all know.
0: There was a time at the beginning of the month when I couldn't believe that you guys, it looked like you were closing in on making a run to get back to 500. I know some of the players even said that that was a stated goal, and ever since, it's kind of been a rocky road. That being said, how important is it to finish strong in these final series against the Giants and the Brewers?
2: Yeah, it's important. I mean, here we are, I think, five and a half back of the Giants. It would be nice to to catch them that'll be difficult to do especially playing up there but I, I think finishing strong will will say a lot and it'll it'll certainly give us the momentum going into the off season um again these guys love to play they're not they're fearless they're not scared of anything and I, it's good for their development but we're finishing it at two tough places and the brewers could be right in the thick of uh, of, of their playoff hopes so um these will be two tough series six games that are that are going to be tough but i I'm thrilled that, you know, we're at 72 wins right now. It's a 20 win improvement over last year. I wanted to get to 500. Certainly, I think again we look back, and if we hadn't had some woeful times with the bullpen that were that were rather consistent, we'd be battling for a playoff spot ourselves right now. So you know we have some work to do in the off season, but it's nice to see that we have so many youthful options to come up here. I think even from a bullpen standpoint, and then when you're looking at, at holes that we might have to fill in the rotation, we have options again too. When we've seen what these guys can do, whether it's you know is Henry or Nelson or um, you know we've got guys down below that. They haven't even come up here yet, like Walton and Pot. I mean, we've, we've got really good, really good options.
1: Derek Hall, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Moving away from the team for a second and, and onto the sport. Last night we saw Aaron Judge hit uh, his 61st home run to tie the American League record of Roger Maris. And, and Roger Maris Jr. was there in Toronto and he spoke out after the game and said, Hey, if Aaron Judge gets to 62, I'm calling on Major League Baseball to make that the official record. And, and you know, people have different thoughts on, on the record, and it means different things to different people. But what are your what are your thoughts on that subject, Eric?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. And I think for his family to have, have said that and, and been so outspoken is a good thing. I mean, I'm excited for Aaron Judge. I'm excited for the sport. And, and what it's done, too, whether you believe it's the number or, or you don't, it, it just showed the, the enthusiasm for – not only the Yankees and a really good player, but everybody was focused on it, and it's a lot of fun. When you look back to uh, after the strike that we had, you know, years ago, I think baseball recovered because of the home run watch, obviously with McGuire and Sosa, and we were all glued to the TV. This had that feel, and for him, you know, it says a lot about him when he could have taken a day off. The day after that they had, you know, uh, celebrated and he said, no, we have a lot of work to do still. We have a lot of winning to do. I want to be in there. And of course, getting 61 on the road, I'm sure he would have rather done it at home, but that's the kind of player he is. It was more so I want to be there for my team. I think it's great for baseball.
0: All right, yeah, and then, and also turning this thing and looking forward here. Um, what else do you think this organization needs to focus on to complete l- the loop? I, I know we, obviously the bullpen um, is something that's going to be addressed in the off season. Uh, the outfit, the the nucleus of young kids is a given. Where else do you think this organization needs to hone its focus? Yeah, we gotta to continue to develop from within. I
2: mean, Vic, we've done a nice job of it and, and, you know, we have to keep pushing ourselves and we have to continue to draft properly and and you know have, have strong international signings because it is working. The improvement in our farm system, that has to continue to be the focus and the priority. But if you look at the Major League roster, of course we're going to look to fix the bullpen. We're, we're, we're going to have great competition in spring for those rotation spots um, and, and the bullpen. I think the entire pitching staff, there's going to be great competition. We always look for ways to bring in veterans to fill the roster, to, to have an influence, especially with such a young team. But I, I want this young team to really take ownership Uh, of the roster and feel like it is their team you know too often you have young guys that come up and and they don't feel like they can speak up or that they can show that leadership I don't think these guys feel that way and I I want them to take that step forward next year where hey it's our team and we are the leaders of this team Uh, I think everybody's embraced that and they've embraced that style of play I also don't want us to shy away from that, that style of play, back. I think what we've seen is it's, it's a different feel, right? These are guys that can bump the ball, they can slash the ball, that put the ball on the ground, they steal bases, they run, they're going from first to third or first to home. I don't, I don't want that to stop. I want that to continue and improve, and, and we need to enhance that.
1: Derek, always good to talk to you. Uh, we will chat again to wrap this whole thing up next Thursday. You got it. I look forward to it, as always. Thank you, guys. Thank you, D. Thanks, Derek. Derek Hall, President and CEO of the Arizona Diamondbacks, our guest every Thursday here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Every morning at 9 o'clock, we take a look at what's going on on social media through Twitter. It's called Social Studies with Sarah Cazell, and it is next. Here on Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.